The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. How do we respond to the tragic massacre in Buffalo this weekend? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today on the Line of Fire radio broadcast. There are people mourning right now. There are people in shock. There are families that have been torn apart. There are people whose lives have been forever changed. We don't want to ignore that. We want to start with human suffering. We want to start with compassion for those hurting. As we talk about issues today, welcome to the broadcast. This is Michael Brown. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. As the show goes on, we'll take calls on all manner of subjects. You can weigh in on anything you want to, ask me any question you want to at 866-34-TRUTH. But I want to focus first on very sensitive, difficult issues. I want to get input from as many of you as I can and be interactive as I share what I understand to be going on in our society, what are some of the big problems, what we can do to bring about positive change. Let me say first that when I, when I finally got hit with COVID, after not uh, suffering with it at all until right after Christmas, day after Christmas of last year, and first week real mild, thought I'll just be over things in a few days, and then the second week is when it got much worse. So you know, laying in bed and then spending a day in the hospital, you really can't do anything much because you're not healthy. All I want to do is sleep. If I, if I was up, I didn't, I didn't have energy to do anything constructive. I mean, every so often I wrote a little, but that was it. Otherwise, I just wanted to sleep and, and do nothing. You know, if there was sports on, I'd just watch it and fall back asleep. There's no energy to do anything because I wasn't healthy. So the first thing was to get my health back and really it's about, about a week and then and bounce back to normal. So three weeks really total. But, you know, then getting back to full strength, but it's the same spiritually. If we're not spiritually healthy, we're not going to be able to bring about positive change in the world around us. If we're not spiritually healthy, even if we can recognize the problems and see what's wrong, we're too weak, we're too beaten down, we're struggling too much to be able to bring positive help. It's like we see the darkness, but our light is not shining. So we are here every day, five days a week, and then through our articles and videos and posts, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we are here to serve you, to minister to you, to help you get healthier and stronger and healthier and stronger. And those who are thriving, we're here to help equip you to be world changers, even a more effective way to infuse everyone with faith and truth and courage. That's my goal here. If we talk about controversial issues, the goal is not to stir up controversy. I have no desire to provoke people. I have no desire to push buttons. God forbid that is contrary to our calling as followers of Yeshua to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. At the same time, I'm committed to truth. At the same time, I'm committed to walk through a minefield where there are all types of traps and explosives that could be dangerous with the goal of helping us get where we need to be as a body. Uh, I'm gonna talk 
more directly about Buffalo in a moment. And we are going to talk about some controversial issues. But let me first share something I learned during the presidency of Barack Obama. I had been on the air beginning when he was a senator campaigning for the Democratic nomination, which he then won and then became the president for eight years, our first black president. So during that time, we talked through a lot of race-related issues because these things were in the news. and We wanted to process them together and get different perspectives, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, interact, test everything by the word. So we, we, were, we were doing that. And we're having great conversations on the radio. And people coming, calling in from all backgrounds. And I mean, we talked through difficult things like the, the, the killing of Trayvon Martin by George Zimmerman. And was it, was it murder or homicide at any level? And was he guilty? And I mean, really difficult race issues. And, and we did it in a way that built relationship, deepened our understanding of one another, deepened our ability to communicate. And I said, hey, let's just make it the rule here. You can offend me. You You tell me the truth. If you think I'm missing something, I have a blind spot, you go ahead. I'm asking you for the right to speak truthfully to you, but you start speaking truthfully to me. I give you that right. So we developed a relationship, and then I wrote an article, uh, and it was addressing Christians who voted for President Obama and who voted with a real desire as African-Americans to see an African-American president and, and, and so on, a black president. And I asked, what about issues like abortion? What about this? What about this? So I've written enough things ad- addressing Jews, addressing whites, right? Addressing men. I mean, I'm, I'm all three of those things, right? Always addressing fellow believers. But I noticed in the comments section, which I read to that article, there are a lot of black readers offended with me, like, who gave you the right to write this article? I realized, you know, I haven't built a relationship. We haven't experienced, we, we haven't established trust like we have on the radio going back and forth for years and years and years. And some of you listening to me for 13, 14 years or 10 years and you build a relationship. Some of you have called in, some of you have written to us. So there's, there's that mutual respect, even in the midst of our differences. Whereas I hadn't built that in the same way with many of these readers who were new to me. And therefore they took offense. Like, who are you? I understand. I understand where they're coming from. So hopefully, if you're brand new, that you'll put this in the context of the fact that we've been building relationship for years with our listening audience. And those that have been with us for a while, you know me well enough. So we, we look at this tragic shooting in Buffalo. Yes, there was a, a church shooting as well over the weekend. An, another shocker. From what we can tell thus far, this was a Taiwanese Presbyterian church so Asian-Americans, and the shooter himself was Asian-American. So it, from what we know, it did not seem to be someone attacking Asian-Americans because they were Asian-Americans. It could have been some internal issue within the church. You know, sometimes you have an estranged husband who comes in violently. Who knows? A terrible tragedy. Terrible tragedy, for sure. I want to focus, and the loss of life there is equally tragic. I want to focus on Buffalo in that, there were more people involved, there were more casualties, and the killer himself left behind a manifesto. He had published that online. And we're we're in a day and age where it's not just 
that you have people who hate blacks, people who hate whites, people who hate Jews, people who hate this group and that group. But now they're saying we have to exterminate them. We have to wipe them out. We have to take up arms and start killing them. So obviously, there are more and more people in our society given over to this kind of evil, either through mental illness, through familial breakups, so breakups in the home, or just giving themselves to demonic power, or drug-related, or perhaps blurring the, the line between fantasy and reality with video games and those kinds of things, whatever it is, these types of horrific shootings have been going on more and more for years now in America. But this is, is all the more shocking when we still have so much racial tension going on in America, the killing of George Floyd being a, a key event in our recent history, and then often the media fueling the fires more deeply and fueling the fires of distrust and political leaders fueling the fires of distrust. So while all that is, is happening, then you have these horrific acts like this. So initially, what we knew was simply that this is a white teenager who wanted to kill blacks. That's true. From everything we know, the alleged shooter in his manifesto, lengthy manifesto that he posted online, so he's home during the pandemic, he does online research, he becomes convinced of, of all of this and, and, and the white population is being replaced, etc. And he's got to do something about it. So he drives three hours to this market, apparently the day before, scopes it out, dresses like a homeless person, scopes the place out before the shooting, and then goes in with body armor, starts shooting, 10 people killed, three others injured. Again, you're just... Just going to the market. Some of us do that every week, every day. Just going to the market with your family, husband and wife together. Let's just go shopping, pick up some things. Somebody, hey, I'll be home in an hour, mom. You, know, you never come home. So it, I know there's loss of life every single day. There's a car accident. There's a sudden death and people weren't expecting it. it it's, it's all the more exaggerated when someone takes it into their own hands to, to cut people down. So is the narrative true that the shooter was a white supremacist who wanted to kill blacks? Yes, absolutely true. The shooter was also a white supremacist who was an anti-Semite. It's always, almost always goes hand in hand. I, I've never read the writings of a white supremacist who wasn't also an anti-Semite. So let me just share a little bit more with you. I have an article on my website, The Buffalo Shooter wanted to murder blacks and Jews, especially Jews. So, so this, is, this is from his online manifesto, all right? In his own words, I'm, I'm quoting the, the killer. The real war I'm advocating for is the Gentiles versus the Jews. We outnumber them 100 times, and they are not strong by themselves. By their Jewish ways... They turn us against each other. When you realize this, you will know that the Jews are the biggest problem the Western world has ever had. They must be called out and killed. John Ernest was 19, professing Presbyterian Christian, when he went to a synagogue in Poway, California at Passover and began shooting 
when this is what he told a 9-11 emergency line dispatcher, quote, I just shot up a synagogue because Jewish people are destroying the white race. New York Post reported through his, quote, research, the self-described white supremacist and anti-Semite came to see how low white birth rates around the world saw them as a crisis that will, quote, ultimately result in the complete racial and cultural replacement of the European people. This is what John Ernest, the synagogue shooter, said. It is unlawful and cowardly to stand on the sidelines as the European people are genocided, his word, around you. I did not want to have to kill Jews, but they have given us no other option. This is a very, very evil ideology that targets black Americans, Jewish Americans, and others. It must be confronted. It must be confronted. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Again, as we talk about ideology, as we talk about the motivations of the Buffalo shooter, may God bring him to repentance and sanity and whatever years he has ahead, may he spend them trying to make right the wrongs he's committed. Fact is, you cannot give back a life you have taken. You, you cannot ever fix that. So don't want to take away from the human suffering. Don't want to take away from the human grief. Don't want to take away from the trauma that many black Americans feel right now, thinking how many people like this are, are out there? How many more white supremacists are out there? This is how many Jews felt after the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh where, where 11 Jews were slaughtered. When, and the man yelled out, white man himself, you know, all Jews must die. It's, it's traumatizing to communities that have a history of suffering. It's traumatizing to communities that look back in their history. It's not that far they have to look back, but there was a, a pattern of these things happening. It was just the norm. So I do not for a moment want to detract from the human suffering and pain involved here at all. I simply, there's nothing I can do about that beyond saying pray for the, the families of the victims and, and for the survivors. But we need to understand this ideology. We need to understand its roots. And we also need to know how this is going to be exploited by the secular left-leaning media. Okay? Very, very important that we understand how this is going to be exploited. Friend, don't let someone else set your emotional tone. Don't let the media set your emotional attitude. Let us set it based on who God is and what his word says and eternal realities. We can be so inflamed by the left, by the right. We can be so inflamed in a carnal way. We can be so inflamed politically. We can react so much to rhetoric and propaganda that we lose God's perspective. And, and rather than us functioning as the salt of the earth, as, as Martin Luther King said, being thermostats more than thermometers, we just become thermometers. We just reflect the temperature and the climate around us. We've got to be very careful these days. Things are posted in subtle ways and headlines. And when you actually dig deeper, you find out a lot of it is very, very misleading. Very misleading. You can watch a video and it's, 
There it is. There's the evidence. Then you find out, oh, the story behind the video. Ah, it's more of the story. So let's, let's not let the media play us like a drum. All right? Let's not do it. So there's an article on the Jewish News website. What you need to know about the anti-Semitic ideology behind the Buffalo shooting. You say, well, wait, there were blacks that were killed, not whites, uh, not Jews. I understand that. I understand that. There are larger issues we're looking at. All right? And, and I, I want to tie these together in a moment. So... The article posted uh, from Jewish Telegraph, Telegraphic Agency, a manifesto attributed to the lead shooter outlines widely held conspiracy theories about Jews and immigrants. It also cited the Hala synagogue attack as a reason to stream on Twitch. I mean, the kind of world are we living in where someone live streams, they're going to go massacre people, kill people in cold blood, people have never met, and they're going to live stream this? What kind of sick world are we living in? The man charged with killing 10 people at Buffalo, New York supermarket Saturday allegedly was motivated by a conspiracy theory that has spurred recent deadly attacks on Jews, among others. An online manifesto attributed to Peyton Gendron, 18, explains that the attack was spurred by the theory that a tide of immigrants is crowding out white populations in Western countries. The manifesto also says that Jews are the real problem, but they can be dealt with in time. The top supermarket, located just a few miles from the Canadian border, was chosen because it's an area with many black residents, the manifesto says. Eleven of the 13 people there shot were black, law enforcement officials said. Law enforcement authorities are working to verify that the manifesto was written by Gendron, etc. The baseless theory outlined in the manifesto is known as Great Replacement. And, of course, the left to say, hey, Tucker Carlson endorses that theory, and therefore Tucker Carlson is part of the bloodshed. That's another subject we'll get to. Uh, it has united white supremacists across borders in their hatred of Jews and immigrants. Replacement theory has inspired multiple anti-Semitic and extremist attacks, including the 2018 Pittsburgh shooting in which 11 Jews were murdered, the 2019 attack on a New Zealand mosque that killed 51 and the 2019 massacre at a Texas Walmart that targeted Hispanic immigrants. In 2017, white supremacists marching in Charlottesville, Virginia, infamously chanted, Jews will not replace us. The manifesto cites the perpetrator of the New Zealand massacre as a chief inspiration and says that its author learned about the dangers of immigration from online research, including on 4chan, a website popular among right-wing trolls. The theory has gained significant traction in right-wing media and politics, Tucker Carlson, the top-rated Fox News Channel opinion host, has trafficked for more than a year in replacement rhetoric. In one passage in a manifesto allegedly written by Gendron, the writer echoes Carlson's phrasing in a notorious September 2018 segment, which began, how precisely is diversity our strength? The manifesto launches a similar salvo. Why is diversity said to be our greatest strength? Okay, goes on from there. It claims this, this mindset this replacement theory has gained currency among some Republican officials, etc. Uh, the author, scrolling down this article, the author says he departs from many white supremacists in concluding that Jews are, for the most part, white. But he cites pages of quotations from the Talmud. And he says Jews are polluted by learning they are God's chosen people. They're permitted to hate and exploit the goyim or non-Jews and to engage in pedophilia. Are you an anti-Semite? Yes, the manifesto reads in one place. Later, the author answers the question, why attack immigrants when the Jews are the issue? The answer reads, in part, they can be dealt with in time. All right. Frightening stuff to read. Uh, 
We'll let Tucker Carlson address these on his own because I have not followed his broadcast or the comments that he has uh, allegedly made on this. I say allegedly, there's a quote just to say, what's the larger context to look at that? I've only glanced at this. So to be fair, where I think there's criticism deserved or I think the criticism is unfair, I need to look at it more and then hear what he has to say in response, okay? That being said, we, we already know where this is going. Please hear me. On January 6th, because of the actions of a tiny group of people compared to the massive crowd that was there, all right? Massive crowd that was at the rally in D.C. honestly thought that there was election fraud and they were calling on Congress to, to write this and not certify the elections and do an investigation. President Trump was totally unwise in his rhetoric. President Trump provoked things by, look, you, you believe our government is being taken from us. You believe this is it. You believe that we'll never have fair elections again. And, and the president is stoking your fires. Even if he says we're going to walk peacefully to the, you, you don't do that. It was irresponsible. It was foolish. All right. Absolute foolish and irresponsible. And the days leading up to him, his rhetoric as the most powerful man on the planet was foolish and irresponsible. Those are my views, which I've made public since that day. However, the vast majority, the vast, vast, vast majority of the people that were there were not there for an insurrection of the government. We're not planning to overthrow the government, let alone to overthrow it violently. But on that day, the left got its narrative confirmed. You see, all you Trump voters are white supremacists. All you Trump voters are Christian nationalists. All you Trump voters are insurrectionists. The left had its narrative, and it has been beating that narrative like a drum ever since. It, it is, is one of the, the downfalls of President Trump that with all the good he did and with the justices appointed and, and so many positive reforms and the Abraham Accords, with all the good he did, that his irresponsible rhetoric opened the door to that type of madness, which then led to the, the rhetoric being confirmed that if you voted for Trump, you're a white supremacist, Christian nationalist, insurrectionist. Now, the left has its new narrative that this is the Buffalo shooter is just a mainstream Republican. Look at this. Look at this headline from Rolling Stone magazine. This is uh, just from yesterday, May 15th, by Talia Levine. The Buffalo shooter isn't a lone wolf. He's a mainstream Republican. The right-wing extremists who control the modern GOP are all gripped by racist, a racist delusion. The shooter is just the latest to act on it. That's the allegation. Well, if that's the case, hang on. What happened just a few months back? The, the, the parade massacre. A black man in, in Waukesha is now going to, uh, to avenge uh, or, or become... Kyle Rittenhouse's judge and, and jury and now pronounced judgment on, on the people at the parade. He goes and, and mows through the crowd, killing many white people, many elderly among them, children hit, terribly injured. So here's a, an article on front page mag. Was Waukesha Christmas parade car massacre a BLM Black Christmas terror attack? I might as well say because of the BLM ideology, well, that he's just a mainstream Democrat. And if you're a Democrat, you stand for that. 
Friends, this is the type of irresponsible rhetoric. I don't mean the front page mag headline, which identifies this with BLM and not with the Democratic Party as a whole, et cetera, or liberals as a whole. And, and we rightly identify the Buffalo shooter with white supremacy, not with whites as a whole, not with Republicans as a whole. Just like the parade massacre does not reflect blacks as a whole, Democrats as a whole, liberals as a whole. But it's this type of irresponsible. Right? He's just a mainstream Republican. <clears throat> when you do that, you provoke further anger. You provoke further division. And it's happening on both sides, friends. It is happening on both sides. And we had better be very careful. 866-34-TRUTH. You can say, preach it, brother, or tell me I'm crazy. Phone lines are open to either of you. We'll be right back. the line of fire with your host dr michael brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown according to quotes in a manifesto that has now been blocked online the buffalo shooter identified himself as an authoritarian leftist who hates fox news so again to put someone in simple categories it's not just problematic, it is destructive. I, I tweeted this out, oh, maybe an hour ago. The new narrative from the left is that the Buffalo shooter was a typical Republican. If that's the case, then the Waukesha parade killer was a typical Democrat. Enough already. This kind of rhetoric only leads to more anger and violence. 866-348-7884. Welcome to the line of fire. Why do I talk about things that are so provocative? Is it because, oh, that draws eyes or that gets people listening or no, that's immature, fleshly, carnal. The reason we talk about them because this is the world that we live in. And as God's people, as, as followers of Jesus, we cannot just be moved by the media, by reporting, by the latest social trends, I was interacting with a colleague of mine, a, a dear brother, a black Jewish brother, believer in Yeshua. We were interacting and I, was, I said, you know, I posted something a few years ago that, that black Americans did not find racially offensive. It, and it was an abortion comparison and, and talking about the humanity of the slave in the past, the humanity of the baby in the womb today. And I said, when I posted it recently, it, it got pushed back and he basically said the climate's changed in, in America. And I said, I mean, he, he had some really good input for me, as always. But I, I said to him, but let me ask this, though. Is, is that climate change positive? We're talking about the, the, the moral climate. We're talking about the emotional climate. In other words, has a lot of the, the change in the emotions of Americans been provoked by the media on the left and the right? Those are questions we have to ask. How are we being influenced? I, I saw some of my dear friends, colleagues, during the, the 2020 elections, and, and Nancy it was we literally weeping over this. We saw friends of ours become so politically caught up. And I mean, it's just there was anger, there was division, and there was 
listen to all kinds of conspiracy theories. And we thought, what? what's happened? We've lost our bearings. So if I can help, if I can be a voice saying, let's, let's walk through the minefield together where there can be a lot of potential misunderstanding. And let's, let's talk together as we do and listen to each other. And above all, listen to the Lord and calm our hearts. Let's be part of the solution for the nation. I, I wrote an article you can find on our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, saying, saying, the, the revolution is here. What we've been talking about for over 20 years, a, a, a moral and cultural pushback against the radical left. We've been saying for years it's coming. It, it's here, not fully, but it's here. But unless it's gospel-based, it'll fail. Unless it's gospel-based and Jesus-centered, founded in the word and powered by the spirit, it's gonna fail. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Troy in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you for having me, Dr. Brown. Um, You're welcome. I had a question, kind of like going on this whole thing of like they're young people, everything's being politicized, polarized, and it's like there's a lot of uh, young people who have really a, a desire to change, see change, and I think like the BLM movement was a chance for them to, you know, get on the side and just feel that they're fighting for like a moral right. <laughs> so my question would be not specifically to any specific movement, but like I'm a young person, I have energy, I have passion, I want to serve the Lord. And I want to get in the fight. Like, there are even stories of young people going to Ukraine because they want, you know, just to get involved with something. So it's like, okay, how do we create that excitement and something practical for, besides prayer and, you know, doing that, reading our Bible and going to church, but, like, what, how can we come together and really affect change in our world with such, uh, such a climate? Yeah, I, I love your question, Troy, and it's something that I've talked about as well over the years. I remember back in 2020, as we were revving things up for this massive prayer repentance event called DC, September 2nd of 2000, that drew several hundred thousand believers together from six in the morning to six in the evening to pray and fast and cry out to God for the nation and to repent of our own sins. I remember a young man, maybe 20-ish, said to me, give me a cause and I'll die for it. So I, I've had that in mind ever since. And it's easy for us to react outwardly to the negative things we see, right? You know, Antifa burning down cities, BLM, which I separate from the important truth that every black life matters. BLM in, in what that was doing and, and other movements that, in my view, do far more harm than good. It's easy to just look at that bad, evil, what's with these people? But I ask what's behind it. So in the 60s, during the whole counterculture revolution, which is known for sex, drugs, rock and roll, Eastern religion, there was a lot of rebellion. The, the flesh owned the day in so many ways. However, many young people, I was one of them at the time, lived through it, got into the whole drug scene. Many young people were looking for something more. They said, there's gotta be something more than the American dream. There, there's gotta be more than just having a nicer house than our parents did and a better job and getting our kids into a better school. There's gotta be more to life than that. They were asking questions and through most of America, the church did not catch what was happening spiritually and say, you're asking the right questions. You'll only find the answers in Jesus. And here's the real purpose of life and how, here's how Jesus is the altar ultimate countercultural revolutionary bringing about change, but it's through love and through kindness and through self-sacrifice, etc. So the church missed a big opportunity there. 
Satan seized it and, and filled that void with all these other things. So so many lives were destroyed. In the same way now, I agree, many young people want to see justice and equality. Many young people want to fight for the underdog, the perceived victim. That's positive. Unfortunately, because it's not Bible-based and because it's influenced by so many media lies and distortions and educational lies and distortions, they end up on the wrong side of issues. Perfect example being so many of them in the college campuses, etc., are so hostile to Israel. And look at Israel as a genocidal state and compare Israel to the Nazis. Look at what they're doing to the Palestinians. They, they look at the micro and they see powerful Israel, impoverished Palestinians, evil Israel, Palestinian victims. And of course, you want to see help for, for everyone in the land, including Palestinians. But they don't look at the larger picture in history, which puts everything in a completely different context. And you realize, wow, unless we stand with Israel for justice, we'll never see justice for the surrounding peoples. So in the same way, so I, I said that, Troy, not so much for you, because I think you understand these things, but for everyone else to, to, to give my perspective there. So what then can young people plug into? One thing is the pro-life movement, for sure, in a holistic way, not just voting, but in a holistic way, trying to educate their generation on the humanity of the baby in the womb from every different angle, scientific angles, moral philosophical angles, human interest story angles, personal testimonies, Bible. So that's, well, all right, hang on. Troy, I hope you're still able to listen. We lost your, your call there. So that's one big thing, pro-life movement. Another thing is there are plenty of churches that are working hard for racial reconciliation and for deeper understanding of one another. That's another cause you can get involved with. And by the way, pro-life is, is not just the baby in the womb, but the baby outside of the womb. What can you do to advocate for that? Where uh, do you see issues, say, in inner cities? Maybe educational things. Maybe you get involved in the educational system to bring about positive change. And, to, and maybe you could be a mentor. Uh, that we, we know churches that work with local schools, and the schools call them in as churches, as congregations, and say, could you help us? We're really struggling. We don't know what to do with our young people. So you, you go, it starts to, hey, we're going to go just clean up the area here. You know, and hey, we're going to get to know some of the kids. And yeah, I play basketball. Here's a kid plays basketball. I'm going to ask him, you want to shoot some hoops and be a mentor to him. There are lots of things like that that we can do that are practical, that are important, that we can give our energy to, along with prayer and preaching the gospel to the lost. Uh, let's go over to James in Macon, Georgia. Thanks for joining us on the line of fire. How are you doing today, brother? Very well. Thank you, sir. Go ahead. Yes. No, I just wanted to, to comment that, uh, or ask your opinion. Do you think that uh, what we're seeing lately with the shootings and the different just hatred-driven things are that much more beside that we're reaching the close of this age? Uh, not, not necessarily, simply because we've had many worse evils in the past. You know, for example, you have World War II, which results in, what, 20 million deaths. And a lot of that was, was hate-driven. Uh, you, you have uh, the fact that slavery was a normal way of life in much of America. 
and that the the Africans were treated as as not fully human, and that was just way of life. And then we had segregation in parts of America up until the '60s. So that's worse than what we have today. So, James, I live with a sense of urgency always because this is a dying, messed up world and we only have one life in which we ourselves can seek to make a difference. And as Reinhard Bonnke used to say, plunder hell to populate heaven and then make a living difference in this world. And I live with an eager desire to see Jesus return. But as I've often referenced, when I came to faith in 71, I was told this is it. Jesus is coming back any moment. All the prophecies are lining up. The counterculture revolution of the 60s, that was proof. That was the final apostasy. That was the great falling away. So I look at things in a a, a much bigger way, a larger picture, especially around the world. And and when Paul said, in the last days, perilous times will come, when he's he's writing to to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he it's interesting that he goes through a list and it's pretty much what you see in, in every generation, the things he lists there. And then he says, avoid people like this. In other words, Timothy, in these last days in which we're living, we've been in the last days since the death and resurrection of Jesus, in these last days in which we are living, there'll be perilous times. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be encouraged. I've overcome the world, and we live as overcomers. So it's an urgent hour, but I don't look at it as a sign that we're the final generation. Hey, thank you so much for the call. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire broadcast. You know, I've been referencing articles I've written and things like that. Some of you say, I, I don't know about those. How, how, can I, how can I get them? Well, the easiest way is just go to my website, askdrbrown, askdrbrown.org. Just take a moment, put in your email address, first and last name, your address if you want us to know that, but otherwise your email address, first and last name, and let us know how you connected with us. It could be through the radio broadcast or podcast or, or social media or something else. That's always helpful for us to know. Uh, and then this way, once a week, you'll get a notice with all of our articles for the week. You'll get a notice with all of our new videos for the week. You'll get a notice of any new resource offers we put together or new book releases or for planning a trip to Israel or something like that. So askdrbrown.org, click on email, sign up there. We'll also send you a free mini book, an ebook on how to pray for America. Hey, a quick reminder uh, before I get back to, to the phones and continue to talk about these very important issues. Quick reminder, my book, Has God Failed You?, will be of tremendous help to those of you who are struggling questions about the Bible, maybe someone you know is struggling. In fact, let me, let me just share a little bit more with you about this book. Are you struggling in your faith? Do you have doubts and questions and you really don't know where to go with them? 
Or maybe you have a friend or a loved one that's completely fallen away from the Lord. Well, friends, we've got a great resource for you. Has God failed you? Finding faith when you're not even sure God is real. This is the book that is a first aid kit for, for seekers and strugglers and doubters. It asks the difficult questions. What happens when prayer doesn't seem to work? What happens when that loved one we're praying for isn't healed? And what about those passages in the Old Testament? It looks like God is an angry, vengeful God. What do we do with those? There's even a whole chapter called Permission to Doubt. And, and what can we learn from the book of Job? And what's unique about this book is we invite the questions and then we speak to the heart without bypassing the mind. As you read this book, faith will rise inside of you. As you read this book, confidence and hope will be restored. As you read this book, questions will be answered and your mind will be at ease. And this could really be the lifeline for a loved one that has fallen away from the Lord. So order your copy of Has God Failed You today? AskDrBrown.org. That's A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org. Order today. And when you do, I want to give you free instant access to a powerful video I preached on why so many Christians are leaving the faith. So order Has God Failed You Today at AskDrBrown.org. My friends, just uh, at this moment, I noticed a new headline uh, announcing more information about the California shooting. Remember I said at the outset, from what we could see, here you have an Asian-American shooting other Asian-Americans, so perhaps it was some internal church issue and it was not a matter of, of racial hatred. Well, here's the new report uh, from AP News. Uh, hate against Taiwanese led to church attack. A gunman in a deadly attack at a California church was a Chinese immigrant motivated by hate for Taiwanese people. The shooting killed Dr. John Chang, 52, and five others were wounded in an attack in a Southern California church. So, boy, how, how extraordinary. And this, this Dr. Chang, just as there were heroes that, that tried to stop the shooter in Buffalo, uh, ran at the shooter, tried to uh, disarm him. He got shot, but then pastor hit the man over the head with a chair. Others tied him with electrical cords. But... Another form of hate, isn't that, isn't that remarkable? You know, there's a Talmudic tradition that asks the question, why was the first temple destroyed, 586 BC? And the Talmud's not giving that date, I'm just giving that date. Why was the first temple destroyed? And the answer was, well, you had idolatry, you had, had murder, you had immorality. Uh, but then the exile lasted seven years, then the temple was rebuilt. And why was the second temple destroyed? This is year 70. And at the time of Talmudic composition, it's now been centuries. It's still destroyed. It has been rebuilt. And the answer is baseless hatred. Now, that baseless hatred theme ties in with other Talmudic stories, etc., which to me are, miss the point. If there was baseless hatred, it was baseless hatred against the Messiah. But it, it, it just struck me now. All the baseless hatred... White against black, black against white, Gentile against Jew, Asian American against Asian American. It's, it's epidemic. It's epidemic, friends. We have a message that can change things. Please hear me, friends. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we have a message that can change things. 
Can we set an example and step higher? Can we set an example and say, in the midst of a hateful society, we will not be haters ourselves? Paul writes in Romans 12, don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. All right, I'm going to switch subjects, take a couple more calls while we have some time. Please hear me. I, I, I believe if there's one little thing I could deposit everyone today, it's, it's that last point. Let us not be overcome by evil. Let us overcome evil with good. Let us overcome hate with love. That's the Jesus revolution we advocate. That's where change can come. Uh, let's go to Darsburg, Tennessee. Giuseppe, welcome to the line of fire. Hey there. Hello, hello Dr. Brown. Good. Got you. Caught you there by surprise. Go ahead, sir. That's okay. Um, I just been, uh, last five years, I've been researching a lot of the um, grace teaching movement, and I've also been following you for longer than that, and I've really loved everything. And then when it came to the grace topic, it kind of like brought me into this confusion because I love following a lot of your stuff, but then you wrote a book that I've been looking at briefly. I haven't read it all the way through yet, but watched several YouTube videos of sermons you've preached at different churches on the topic. Mm-hmm. And I um, just find my place, I find myself wondering, like from your perspective, because I really am finding so much compassion from the Lord through this process, coming from a very charismatic Pentecostal background, I'm finding so much freedom in this idea of, of, of grace. And would you throw it all out based on what you've been teaching? Would you throw it all out? Or is there some good things there? Um, oh, no, there's a lot, of wonderful, any... a lot of wonderful things there. In my book, Go and Sin No More, I have a whole chapter called It's All Grace, and I wrote that 25 years ago. Grace is at the foundation of everything, God's mercy, God's unconditional love. Uh, I constantly teach ministry school students that you must know the love of the Father, and we want to help ground you in that. And this way you're not living your whole life to try to earn brownie points from God. At the beginning of Hyper Grace, I even explain why many people have been changed by an exaggerated message. It's because of the good that's in it, because of the message of God's unconditional love, because of the message of accepted by grace, not by works, uh, because of the, the truth. I have a whole other chapter in Go and Sin No More. Uh, there is no condemnation. I have another chapter uh, on the dangers of legalism. So I'm 100% against legalism, which is laws without love and rules without relationship and standards without a savior. It's externally imposed religion trying to change from the outside in. I'm completely against that and have always deeply opposed it in my writing and preaching. That doesn't mean I embrace another error to fix one error. The error of hyper grace is to say that the moment that God saved you, that he pronounced all your future sins forgiven, which is completely contrary to the whole Bible, basically. That, that he, he pronounced your sins forgiven before you committed them, and that therefore the Holy Spirit will never convict you of sin today, and therefore you don't ever have to confess your sins because they've already been forgiven, and therefore uh, you can't grow in holiness because you're already as holy as you can be. And those are some of the major things that are taught by hypergrace, and I have I watched for years, writing that book and after, an unbelievable amount of lives destroyed by it. For the few that told me how their lives were positively impacted, we tracked an unbelievable path of destruction. And some of the people that attacked me for rejecting hyper grace, I remember one pastoral couple in another country railed on me 
for attacking hypergrace, and now they're atheists today. They didn't, they didn't just go to extreme, they left the faith entirely. So, and when I met with Pastor Joseph Prince, and we agreed on a number of, of key points, and he told me, you know, the fruit he sees is consistently good. And I said, listen, there's another side. I appreciate the good. But unless you add in the, the message of repentance, which is not just changing your mind, it is turning away from sin and turning to God. Unless you correct the error about, about confession of sin. Now, Joseph Prince did say, you're as righteous as you can possibly be, but you grow in holiness. So, so we emphasized our points of agreement in a subsequent article. And I haven't followed his teaching since, uh, you know, since writing Hyper Grace and since we met. But I'm, I love grace. I revel in grace. I believe in the importance of can grace. You, Go ahead. Can you, highlight the, can you highlight just a little bit on the topic of uh, sanctification as a process versus maturity? I, I'm leaning a lot towards maturity as the emphasis rather than sanctification because what I see in Scripture well, is t- Tell Jesus you what, Giuseppe, I have to cut you off simply because we're out of time. Read Hypergrace. I get into it in depth, all right? But tell me what you do with 2 Corinthians 7.1. 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly love, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So it is a growing in maturity, but it is also a growing in purity, a growing in love of righteousness, a growing in hatred of sin. That's why Hebrews 12, 14 tells us to pursue holiness. We've been set apart as holy. Now we must earnestly pursue it and live it, live it out. Read the whole book if you can. I think it'll answer your questions. And walk in the grace of God. God bless. You can't resist us. Another program powered by the Truth Network.